Welcome to episode 190 of the Intermittent Fasting Podcast. If you want to burn fat, gain energy, and enhance your health by changing when you eat, not what you eat, with no calorie counting, then this show is for you. I'm Melanie Avalon, author of What, When, Wine, Lose Weight and Feel Great with Paleo-Style Meals, Intermittent Fasting, and Wine. And I'm here with my co-host, Jen Stevens, author of Delay, Don't Deny, Living an Intermittent Fasting Lifestyle. For more on us, check out ifpodcast.com, melanieavalon.com, and jenstevens.com. Please remember, the thoughts and opinions on this podcast do not constitute medical advice or treatment. So, pour yourself a cup of black coffee, a mug of tea, or even a glass of wine, if it's that time, and get ready for the Intermittent Fasting Podcast. Hi friends, I'm about to tell you how to get three pounds of organic chicken thighs, two pounds of grass-fed, grass-finished ground beef, or one pound of premium grass-fed, grass-finished steak tips, all for free, plus $20 off. That's right, we're talking pounds of meat, for free, plus $20 off. Friends, I love meat and seafood. My favorite way to get it is ButcherBox. It has been for years, and it's one of those things where I just sort of become more and more obsessed the more I use it. Especially with all the greenwashing that's going on today with meat and seafood, there's a lack of transparency, it can be hard to know what you're actually getting, and it can be expensive. ButcherBox addresses all of that. By directly partnering with farmers and fishermen, ButcherBox cuts out the middleman of the grocery store and directly delivers delicious meat and seafood straight to your door. And they have the highest standards. Their salmon, for example, is wild caught. Their beef is 100% grass fed and 100% grass finished. Their chicken is free range and organic, and it all tastes delicious. I love their chicken, love their meat, love their seafood. They have amazing scallops as well. And you can really find the collection of food that you want that works for you and your family. They have curated boxes so you can get exactly what you want as fresh as possible because yes, meat and seafood that is immediately frozen is fresher than meat that is waiting out and never frozen. That's because it's frozen at its peak of freshness. It's funny because people kind of think it would be the opposite. Like, oh, I need never frozen meat and seafood. No, 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 no. You want frozen. You want meat and seafood that was immediately frozen and then shipped to you, which is what ButcherBox does. I eat a lot of steak at restaurants. ButcherBox's fillets are divine, way better than anything I would get at a restaurant. Their other cuts are amazing as well. With their seafood, I know I can trust them that I'm actually getting what they say because yes, there is a lot of scams in the seafood industry and their chicken also tastes amazing. It's free range and organic and tastes delicious. With ButcherBox, you don't have to worry about what's for dinner and ButcherBox has an incredible offer for our audience. You can have your choice of a weeknight meal essential for free in every order for a whole year. Just go to butcherbox.com slash ifpodcast and use ifpodcast to choose either three pounds of organic chicken thighs, two pounds of grass-fed, grass-finished ground beef, or one pound of grass-fed, grass-finished premium steak tips plus $20 off. Sign up today at butcherbox.com slash ifpodcast and use code ifpodcast to choose your free offer and get that $20 off. ButcherBox.com slash IFPodcast with code IFPodcast. I will put all this information in the show notes. 
One more thing before we jump in. Did you know that common ingredients found in skincare and makeup products can actually disrupt your endocrine system? These endocrine disruptors are a silent threat that can have significant impact on your health, including something that is very important to me, fertility. Your skin is your body's largest organ and what you put on it matters. Endocrine disruptors are chemicals that interfere with the natural hormonal communication in the body. It also matters during pregnancy. And that's one of the reasons I pay close attention to what I put on my skin while being pregnant. Studies have shown that exposure to endocrine disruptors can affect both male and female fertility. For women, these disruptors can lead to irregular menstrual cycles, ovulation issues, and even polycystic ovarian syndrome or PCOS. In men, they can reduce sperm quality and quantity, making it even more challenging to conceive. But it's not just about fertility. When it comes to fat loss, one of the reasons that endocrine disruptors can get in the way of fat loss is because a lot of our toxins are actually stored in our fat. It's a way that our bodies protect us from those toxins. These toxic compounds can even work synergistically, amplifying their harmful effects and making it that much harder to shed unwanted body fat. All of these reasons are why I am obsessed with a company called Beauty Counter. The founder actually started the company when she learned about the potential dangers of toxic chemicals and their link to health issues, specifically miscarriages and infertility. While pregnant, I make sure to only use Beauty Counter products. It's one of the only makeup lines that is officially recommended from the Environmental Working Group. What really sets Beauty Counter apart is their unwavering commitment to protecting us, the consumers, from the hidden dangers that lurk in conventional beauty products. Beauty Counter goes above and beyond, rigorously screening every single ingredient that goes into their products, ensuring that they are safe, clean, and free from harmful toxins. They're not just a beauty brand, they're a movement for change, advocating for stronger regulations in the beauty industry. With Beauty Counter, I know that I can trust that the skincare and makeup that I use are not only effective, but also safe for me and my family. They have skincare lines for every skin type, as well as so many other incredible products. I absolutely love their overnight resurfacing peel. It's my favorite way to get anti-aging benefits in a skincare product. The makeup is absolutely amazing. I have tried alternative beauty products in the past and none of them truly performed. But with Beauty Counter, the foundation is so amazing. It makes me feel like my skin can breathe and it looks so dewy and beautiful. You can shop with me at beautycounter.com slash Vanessa Spina. New customers can use the code CLEANFORALL20 for 20% off their first order. Beautycounter.com slash Vanessa Spina. All right, friends, now back to the show. Hi, everybody, and welcome. This is episode number 190 of the Intermittent Fasting Podcast. I'm Melanie Avalon, and I'm here with Jen Stevens. Hi, everybody. I'm so glad to be here today. Oh, (laughs) throwing up my routine intro. (laughs) Why are you so glad to be here today? I don't know, just in general. I don't know. Wait, is there something I don't... No, I'm just feeling very cheerful. Oh. I started decorating for Christmas. Aw. I know it's really early. (laughs) We're recording on November 12th, so it just makes me cheery. Just the whole... Here, I'm going to show you. Look at my little tree that's sitting beside me. Isn't that cute? Can you see it? It's doing the weird thing where it just shows me pictures, but... Oh, I see it. Do you see it? Yes. What is it? 
It's a little Christmas tree. Plastic? No, it's ceramic. And I got it. Today, it's this little ceramic tree. If people have seen the the green ceramic trees that are big that have the little multicolored plastic things that you stick in there, but they're usually big. This is a small version, but it's ceramic and it's battery powered. So it's like a little, it's my podcasting tree and I'm so excited. That's fabulous. But you know, you just have to be cheerful when you're decorating for Christmas. At least I do. I love it. I'm doing a little bit at the time every day. Like yesterday, I put up the garland around the great room. And today, I put up two trees, but I didn't decorate them. I just put them up. So obviously not real trees. Well, no. Now, I wear artificial tree over here because if you're going to have a tree up for two months, (laughs) it can't be real. I use Costco trees. They're fabulous. You can change them from white light to colored light. You just click the button and now they're colored or you click the button and now they're white. So depending on the mood you're in, they're really easy to put together. I'm getting sad. The thing at my house, and I might have talked about this before, but we were like known for our Christmas tree. It was so large. (laughs) It was so tall because we had really, really, really tall ceilings and it went almost to the top. I've got really, really tall ceilings and I thought about getting a giant one last year for the first Christmas in the house, but I decided I wouldn't be able to manage it myself. Like I don't want to have to climb up on a giant ladder to decorate it or pay someone to do it. Yeah, my mom would pay a decorator to decorate it. I like to do it myself. I will say, funny story, when we first moved in and we had, um, there's this local moving company that's run by firefighters and they move from like furniture stores or if you need something really big, they'll move it for you. And I called them that we had ordered, well, we had bought some furniture that we needed to have delivered. And so we, we had them deliver it and they're like, oh, we've been here before. We delivered the biggest Christmas tree I've ever seen, the guy said, (laughs) to the old owners. Yes. The biggest Christmas tree he'd ever seen came in our great room because it's a big great room, but. Ah, I love Christmas. I do too. Something we have in common. We do. We both love Christmas. You just had a, a great birthday. Yes, except. Oh, now look, sound more excited. I was like dying from the fumes, so I pretty much canceled all plans. Oh, did I tell you that? No. Oh, because they fixed my ceilings and then they painted. And it was very painty. It was awful. I think they used oil-based paints and literally I I just died. I almost got a hotel. So I was like, I'm going to postpone. So we postponed. So I'm going to do dinner with the family in like a week, maybe. But I got flowers from Jen. Yay! It was a lovely surprise. Thank you. I'm glad you enjoyed the flowers, but I'm sorry it was all paint-fumed. It's all good. Going to make up for it. And I got so many wonderful... You definitely feel loved in the Facebook groups on your birthday. I was like, oh my goodness. (laughs) So many birthday wishes. It's so special. In mine, I don't even know if I saw them all or kept up with them all. So if anybody, if I didn't like or love yours, thank you anyway. (laughs) So thank you, everybody. It was wonderful. Well, I have two other things to talk about that are very exciting. Oh, perfect. I do too. Yay! First of all, I went to the beach with my friends from college, and I drank zero alcohol. Oh, yes. Yeah. And I told them all why, and and they're like, oh, that explains a lot <laughs> about why I was always the person who felt so terrible, and even when I tried to pace myself. So it was great. I drove us around. I was the designated driver. I didn't even feel like I was missing it. And here's something funny. I was actually able to stay awake longer, I think. Like I didn't crash and burn. Well, that makes sense because I feel like you get really tired with alcohol. 
Yeah, I was just as fun and just as funny and probably more. So I didn't miss it at all. I only told you I didn't talk on the podcast about my genetic result thing, right? (laughs) No, you did not. Listeners, I want you to do it, Jen. I want to know what yours says. So I'm a huge fan of Self-Decode. It's a genetic analyzer and they have really, really detailed reports. And I was laughing out loud because I ran the, they just released a food sensitivity one at the top. It gives like a summary and it shows your, how you react to carbs, lectins, food additives, histamine, like all these different things in food and then alcohol. Mine was all red, like, like will react to this except alcohol was green. It was like, it was like alcohol tolerant. (laughs) I was like, I know I'm the opposite. Yeah. I was like, I bet, I bet it will be. I bet if you do it, it'll be like all green and then alcohol will be, will be red. You're probably right. Yeah. Listeners, I'll put a, a link in the show notes to it though. Cause I have a 10% off coupon. It's melanieavalon.com slash self decode. Well, I had, you know, mocktails the whole time and it was great. And I felt so good. It was wonderful. And I have one other thing that's so exciting. You know, me talking about wanting a clock that you could turn off at night. Yeah. I found one. What does it do? It's the Hatch Restore, and I wish they were sponsoring our podcast because that's how much I love them. But it's one of those that has like the sunrise feature that it it like turn on like a sunrise and wake you gently and gradually. But it has the feature where you can on their app set it to only display the time during the time you want it. So I have mine every night at 10 p.m. It stops displaying the time and it starts displaying the time again at 515. That's really cool. What's it called again? It's so cool. The Hatch Restore. The Hatch Restore. So you can pick like a, a sunrise and it wakes you up with the sunrise, that whatever you pick. I don't need a sunrise because I'm always awake, but it's really helping me in the night because when I wake up, you know, if I, I, I don't have any light on because the clocks are very bright, but also I don't have to check the time because I know it's too early. If the clock is not showing, I don't have to wonder. Because what would happen before is I would wake up and I would feel like it might be morning. Maybe it's morning. I'm wide awake. And so I would have to pick up my phone and look at it. Well, that's bright light shining into your eyes. And it would be like 2 a.m. So now I've looked at bright light at 2 a.m. But I didn't want a clock on all the time. So now if there's no clock showing, I know it's still the middle of the night. Dr. Kirk Parsley, the sleep expert, his one tip that he says, or he has a lot of tips, but one of his main tips is when you wake up, do not look at the clock. And he says that you might wonder, oh, but maybe it's time to get up. Well, if the alarm clock hasn't gone off yet, then it's not time to get up. So it doesn't really matter. Well, see, I, I didn't have an alarm. So for me, you know, I just, I don't need an alarm to wake up in the morning, but I couldn't tell if it was time to get up or if it was two in the morning. But now I can't see a clock. I literally can't. It's off. It is a game changer. So I'm so much happier. Like I've only had it for less than a week and I love it so much. So much. Well, we'll have to put a link to that in the show notes. Yes. I mean, I knew that there had to be something like that. It was just a matter of finding it. Was it on Amazon or? I don't know if it's on Amazon. I bought it through their website. I first bought like a cheap knockoff on Amazon and it was terrible. It wouldn't link to my Wi-Fi. So I would not go buy a cheap knockoff on Amazon. I would go buy the real one. Awesome. Well, we'll put a link to it in the show notes. I actually have a question for you. Something I bought on your recommendation. I bought a shape of scale. Love it. I am struggling majorly to get it to work. I have to like stand on it and then it doesn't really, I literally takes like three times every time for it to work. 
Well, that's weird. I've never had that or heard of that. Okay. It's, you know, you've got to stand on the metal things and I don't know. That's weird. Okay. So that's not normal. I was wondering if maybe. Maybe change the battery. I've never heard anybody else say that. Yeah. I get on and it works. <laughs> oh, this. So for listeners, this is the scale that shows you a color, not a number. Love it. Yeah. Question about it though. So, cause it says you have to go 10 days in a row to calibrate it. Do you have to measure morning and evening both days for 10 days or can you for calibration? It wants you to do that. I don't know what'll happen if you don't. Cause I did. Okay. Cause I was measuring like every night. Cause I don't like doing it in the morning. It makes me, I just don't. <laughs> and it was like doing a foot every single day, but then with the mold and the paint and moving, I stopped doing it. And now I have to start over. <laughs> All right. Well, yeah, I don't know. I just followed the directions and <laughs> I got on it every day. Yeah. So, yeah, I think it is important to follow the directions for the the calibration period and weigh twice a day. I'll let you know if it works doing it just at night, and we'll see. (laughs) Gonna go rogue. All right. So now, after you calibrate, do you measure morning and night or just? Just morning. You just have to calibrate it morning and night, and then once a day. Okay, we'll see. Today's episode is sponsored by Audible. Audible is excited to offer members a new way to explore their interests with the new Plus Catalog. This holiday season will certainly be more special than last. It's finally time to gather together and exchange thoughtful gifts with the people you care about. In the midst of all the holiday excitement, think about giving yourself the gift of an Audible membership. Now is the absolute best time to do it with a special offer of 60% off your first three months. With Audible, you can listen to more of whatever you're into because Audible has it all. An unbeatable selection of audiobooks, tons of binge-worthy podcasts, and exclusive originals, all available to download or stream. Here's what you get. As an Audible member, you can choose one title a month, like the latest bestseller or hottest new release, yours to keep forever. You can listen to Melanie's book, What When Wine, or either of my books, Delayed on Deny or Fast Feast Repeat. And coming January 4th, you can listen to Cleanish. Here's the best part. You also get full access to Audible's streaming library, the Plus Catalog. Discover your next podcast obsession, check that audiobook off your bucket list, or get lost in a world of original content from celebrity creators, best-selling authors, and leading experts. The kind of stuff you can't hear anywhere else. Stream all you want, as much as you want. No matter where you're going or what you're doing this holiday season, you'll always have just the right thing to listen to at your fingertips. Now that I'm doing a lot of driving to the beach and back, Audible is the perfect companion for each trip. There's so much to choose from that I will never be done finding great options. Right now, for a limited time, save 60% on your first three months of Audible. That's only $5.95 a month. Give yourself the gift of listening. For more, go to audible.com slash ifpodcast. That's audible.com slash ifpodcast. Or you can text ifpodcast to 500-500 for 60% off your first three months. That's definitely a gift you'll love to give yourself. And now, back to the show. So I have two quick little things related to all the things we've been talking about, fasting and insulin and blood sugar. All right. I told you this, but I got my insulin tested, which is so exciting. It really is exciting. Because we often talk about how at the doctor, they often measure blood sugar, but not insulin levels. And I was really 
excited because tomorrow I'm interviewing Dr. Bickman, Benjamin Bickman, who wrote Why We Get Sick. And it's all about insulin. And he does talk about testing insulin. And I was really nervous because, you know, I always say that I just feel like I'm not very insulin sensitive, but he says fasting insulin should be less than six, I guess. And most people are not that. And mine was like four. So I'm happy. Yep. You should be. That's great. But I do wonder, I do feel like it's like the intermittent fasting that keeps me there. Like I think if I were eating a normal diet or anything like that, like it it would not be that. It would not be that. Oh, I think you're right. I, I wish I knew what mine was way before, but I don't have that data, but it would be fascinating to know. But mine was right around that same level. Yeah, it was really exciting though. I was like, I thought I was like, it's probably going to be like 20. Oh no, uh-uh, no, no, no. I wouldn't think that at all. <sighs> yeah, I don't know. But in any case, that was really exciting. And for listeners, that is a, a lab test that you can ask for your doctor to draw. It's just not often drawn, but it is something that you can test. And then second really quick announcement is I've been wearing CGMs, as you know, and I sent you this, Jen, but ever since I've been taking berberine, it like it's making my blood sugar like epic, epic, which is really exciting. And I now have a code and discount for listeners. I'm so excited. I've been waiting to share this. So because I'm testing NutriSense and Levels, Levels, they're on a wait list right now. So when I have my code, it will get you to the front of the wait list for it. But if you want to get one now, NutriSense does have theirs now. And you can go to melanieavalon.com slash NutriSense CGM. And the coupon code Melanie Avalon will get you 15% off. So if you want to jump on this CGM train that Jen and I have experienced, I'm obsessed. I think I'm going to wear one for like the rest of my life. Do you? I No, no. I realize I don't like things on my body. <laughs> it was great. I love the data, but I was ready to get that sucker off. So I've done two rounds now and now I'm in, I'm going to put on, I have like three sensors that I can put on, but I'm like, I gotta let my arm like air out a little bit. It made me really feel compassion for people who require these types of things, like require them. Yes, like my my friend whose son is type 1 diabetic and he has to wear an insulin pump all the time. You know, I have a lot of compassion now and sympathy because they, they have to do it to be alive. And, you know, goodness, that's a lot. And monitoring it. And yeah, I mean, because for us, it's just enlightening and fun. But yeah, that would be a completely different situation. And like you said, I, I don't like having things stuck to me. I'm, I just got an aura ring too. And even that I'm like, oh, I have to, I mean, I love wearing it, but the idea of constantly wearing something to monitor you is an interesting concept. You know, like I wore an Apple watch. I was an early adopter and I had one for, I don't know, a couple years. And then I just quit wearing it. I was like, this is driving me crazy. <laughs> I unadopted. You unadopted. And I'm an Apple lover. I love Apple, but I just, I'm like, yeah, I don't need to wear this. I also, full disclosure, am, mm, how am I going to put it, middle-aged woman. And so I could not see <laughs> the screen, I was, you know, very well. So that was also part of it. But wearing it was one thing, too. I'm on day two of Aura, and I really like it so far. I, although I realized I had my first night, and I didn't feel like I slept that well. But it, I had a like an 85, which is in their, like, great level. And I was like, oh. Maybe I do sleep better than I think. Maybe I'm too hard on myself. My friend Sherry, that is co-host of Life Lessons with me, she has an aura ring. She really likes it. She likes it? Oh, she loves it. 
If anybody ever wants to propose to me, they have an aura ring with diamonds in it. Oh, that's hilarious. I love that. So that better be the way that goes down. <laughs> yeah, my sleep score last night was 92 on my bed because my bed gives me a sleep score. Yep. I actually just got in the mail a monitoring mattress thing that will start monitoring. And it's Ann Cools. I haven't installed it yet. Yeah, I love my sleep number. <sighs> All the things. Yeah, exactly. Ready to get started with our first question? I think so. All right. This is from Kathy, and the subject is lowering high cholesterol with IF. She says, hi, ladies. I absolutely love your podcast. I have been IFing since May and listening to you the whole time. I've already hit my goal weight. I gained 15 quarantine pounds. So I guess she gained the quarantine pounds and then have lost them. That's what I'm, I'm understanding there. All right. She says, I feel great and see this as a forever lifestyle. I do a 24 Monday through Thursday and a loose 18-6 Friday through Sunday. I am just now starting to feel the inflammation leaving my body. In the last four years, I have gotten adhesive capillitis, frozen shoulder, in the rarity of both shoulders, one at a time. So that was a big plus for me to start IF to maintain my body's inflammation, even though I was already on the mend. But I am wondering how IF affects high cholesterol. My doctor has been watching my levels for the last five years. Oh, by the way, I am 52 years old and 5'5 and 125 pounds. I am mostly vegetarian, eating fish or turkey bacon only a couple times a month, if that. I don't like the texture and taste of animal protein. Never have. I don't eat yogurt or drink milk. I eat a hard-boiled egg about two times a week, and I love cheese. At my last doctor appointment, she said she would put me on cholesterol meds if I could not get it lowered by diet and exercise, which to me seemed odd since I don't eat a lot of the things that are high in cholesterol. And I was exercising at least 30 to 60 minutes a day, three to four times a week. I do not want to be put on any medications. I don't know if IF helps with lowering cholesterol, but I'm very interested to see what you both know. Any research and information would be greatly appreciated. Thanks so much for all your podcasting support and inspiration. Take care, Kathy. All right, Kathy. So thank you so much for your question. Jen, did I say on this podcast yet what my mom experienced recently? I think I did. I can't remember. Like, so she has a genetic tendency towards high cholesterol levels. It's not APOE4. I'm not sure what it is, but she went in recently and her cholesterol was pretty bad. And her, her doctor wanted her on statins. Now, she did not do IF. She's not yet on the IF train, but she did change her diet from her standard American to more of like a pescatarian diet. And the doctor wanted her on statins, but he said he would give her like a month to try this dietary change. And she did. And her LDL went down a hundred points, which is crazy. So now she's like sold on the power of diet and, you know, dietary changes to, to affect cholesterol. And so before I go into the information, really, really brief overview. So typically when you're checking cholesterol levels in the body, things that are looked at are HDL, which is typically considered the quote, good cholesterol, LDL, which is usually considered the quote, bad cholesterol, and then triglycerides, which are the actual like blood fat. And the reason I say typically is there is a lot of debate about, you know, is LDL 
actually that problematic? Is it more about the ratio to HDL? Is it actually protective of some things? Is the problem coming from the LDL and HDL or is it actually coming from, you know, other factors? But in any case, as far as affecting the, what is seen as good cholesterol levels, the connection with fasting is pretty interesting. So there is a lot of research. I don't want to just say, oh, there's tons of research saying IF is great for cholesterol because it's more complicated than that. There is a lot of research showing that. So for example, and I'll put links to all of this in the show notes. This was in rats, but one called time-restricted feeding is a preventative and therapeutic intervention against diverse nutritional changes. It found that rats eating a high-fat diet or doing it like normally or with time-restricted feeding. It was interesting. They actually had increased expression of enzymes that you think would raise cholesterol, but they actually experienced reduced cholesterol levels. And this was in the intermittent fasted rats in humans. So there's also been a lot of studies showing that. So for example, in one overview from 2019 called intermittent fasting and cardiovascular disorders, they found that the IF diet limits many risk factors for the development of cardiovascular disease by affecting the biochemical transformations of lipids. It decreases body mass and has a positive influence on lipid profile parameters. It reduces the concentration of total cholesterol, triglycerides, and LDL cholesterol. And again, that was more of a a review. Some studies, however, have found no effect. So one study was called effects of an eight-hour time-restricted feeding on body weight and metabolic disease risk factors in obese adults, a pilot study. It compared time-restricted feeding to not time-restricted feeding, and it found that there wasn't really any significant difference between cholesterol levels between the two groups. And then on the flip side, some studies have actually found the opposite. So they found that cholesterol, particularly LDL, goes up. I think this might be more of a case when it's a longer fast or something like alternate day fasting. So for example, one called intermittent fasting is the weight worth the weight compared ADF to calorie restriction to a control. And it found that in the ADF group, their LDL cholesterol levels actually went up. And then a study looking at longer fasts, so we're talking like seven days, it found that cholesterol levels went up, including LDL. And I think that is, that's something that I've seen and heard in a lot of interviews that I've listened to, podcasts, books. In general, intermittent fasting seems to be pretty protective and supportive and great for cardiovascular health and addressing things like cholesterol levels and things like that. I think some of the problems come in, I think there can be a transient rise in cholesterol or LDL in longer fasts. So not what we're talking about with daily fasting, but more like, you know, a couple days. And then also, like I said, that, that study looking at ADF found a similar result. And I've heard a lot of experts talk about this. And I do think there is the potential that when you are in more of a fat burning mode, that you are upregulating LDL and HDL carriers. It might not be necessarily a problem as much as just a a signifier of being more fasted, but in general, and I'm sorry, this is so long, but in general, the majority of the research that I've seen seems to show that IF has a, if not a neutral, then a beneficial effect on cholesterol levels. That was really long. Jen, what are your thoughts? So in general, we know that there is a link to high cholesterol and any weight loss. 
just because when you're releasing fat, your body releases those free fatty acids and they're in the bloodstream. So there's a study that I share a lot. It's called the Transient Hypercholesterolemia of major weight loss. It's from 1991, but it shows that when you're losing fat, you're likely to have a temporary increase in cholesterol. That's why it's called the transient hypercholesterolemia of major weight loss. So burning fat, weight loss should go up. So I would look for that study and share that with your doctor and say, hey, I just lost some fat. So it makes sense that based on this, that I would have temporary increased high cholesterol. So that would, you know, make sense for people who are new to intermittent fasting and releasing fat as well. We would expect that because it's been shown. But then over time, we do see a lot of people who have normalized cholesterol. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, the the intense weight loss, like I said, the longer fasting, I think it will typically be transient. If that's why it's high. But see, I don't know if that's true for Kathy because she said that she's been, her doctor's been watching her levels for five years. So it could be, you know, genetic kind of a thing and nothing to do with, you know, her fasting or fat loss. But yeah, because genetically, going back to the genetics, people who do have the APOE4 variant that I mentioned, like when I was talking about my mom, who I don't think she has that, but people who do have that, that is a variant where you probably don't want to be having high amounts of cholesterol or saturated fat. So, I mean, that could be something to test for you, Kathy, but if you don't have that, I definitely think IF with dietary practices can help you address it. I would play around with your dietary choices and see if you can lower it with with diet and IF. I feel like you should be able to. Of course, again, we just said that it could have been from the weight loss because she doesn't say how high it was up. Exactly. Or that it did go. We don't know if it did go up. So maybe it, it's just always been high and it's still high and she was hoping it would be down, but maybe it was high and now it's higher. That's what we're not sure about that. Yeah, because her doctor just said she put her on meds if she could not get it lowered by diet and exercise. So I would say keep on with the IF. You could try, I say this so hesitantly. Well, that's the other thing is, is I would want to know what her, like her ratios are. I'm assuming it's a problematic ratio and panel of cholesterol that she's presenting. What are your thoughts, Jen, on dietary cholesterol and cholesterol levels? Well, (laughs) it's controversial, you know, tiptoeing around it because, you know, you can read both sides of it and you can see, you know, well-respected people talk about it both ways. So I don't want, I'm not an expert in that regard. So I don't want to say, don't worry about cholesterol. It's no big deal because I read this and it said not to, or, or how about, you know, take the statin or don't take the statin. It's, it's controversial. So I am not an expert in this area. So I don't want to weigh in on it because no matter what I say, half the people are going to be like, that's not true (laughs) because it just depends on your train of thought with it. That's all I'm going to say about that. Isn't that what Forrest Gump always said? (laughs) That's all I'm going to say about that. It is not my expertise, and I'm not going to pretend that it is. And not that you pretended that it was. We're not pretending that it's our expertise. (laughs) Neither of us are. You know what I mean. I'm just fascinated by it because there are, like you just said, there are very polarizing camps on it. My idea is like if I I had really high cholesterol levels, what I think I would do for me (laughs) is... I don't think I would do a high fat diet and I would still eat fats that are like nourishing. I know there's like the whole keto high fat world, but I don't think anybody necessarily has to be on like a 
high, high fat diet to get all your nutrition. So I probably would try a lower fat diet without doing like seed oils and without doing processed foods and things like that. I probably would too. That's probably what I would do. Maybe dietary cholesterol has no effect, but maybe it does. I don't know. (laughs) So yeah. And again, that's one of those controversial things. You can read both sides of it. And of course, you and I have probably both read things that say, oh, it's not as bad as you think to have high cholesterol. And that's also controversial. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, a lot of that in the carnivore space. Oh, yeah. Like people with like really, really high, high, high levels, but... They reject the whole theory that high cholesterol is bad for you. In the context of... Well, not that it's bad, but in the context of high HDL and then in the context of not no other inflammatory marker, you know, like no other markers. Yeah. It's a really fascinating story. So shall we move on to the next question? So we have a question from Bernadette and the subject is no weight loss. Hello, Melanie and Jen. I've been listening to your podcast for a while now for the last year or so. I listen to you ladies when I get up every week getting ready for work and on my way to work. I enjoy listening to your podcast. Thank you for all the information you provide to your listeners. I am also a member of Jen's Facebook group, Delayed on Deny. I have posted on there a couple of times and don't really get an answer to my issues at hand. I take the advice as to what to do, but it still hasn't helped in any way when I do follow the advice. I did do the weighing myself every week, and my weight stayed between 178 to 180 for two months or so. I never lost or gained any more than that. I'm truly at a loss as to why I haven't lost weight in the last four years. I have done keto, low-carb, plant-based, no dairy, and now trying carnivore as well. I am on week six of carnivore and the same results. There isn't any. No weight loss or inches lost as well. The first year I did intermittent fasting, I was also doing Orange Theory classes five days a week for a year and a half. That year I tried keto and low carb with no results, so I quit Orange Theory because why am I paying for an expensive gym fee with no results while I'm also eating right? I've taken out all sugars, even artificial, and I don't eat fruits either because of the sugar content in fruits. I continued to work out at home and intermittent fast with keto, low carb, and still no results. So now I'm trying carnivore. Then she has a frowny emoji, a sad emoji. I also join in on the 36 to 42 hour fasts on Jen's group. I start my fast Sunday evening and open my window on Tuesday every week as I started the carnivore six weeks ago. Do you see my frustration? Still no results. I clean fast and open my window daily between 12 and 2. I was in two rear enders last year back to back and have not been able to work out anymore as I am in constant pain from my neck to my lower back. Been seeing my chiropractor and still recovery is slow. I have taken blood tests on my thyroid and they say it's good. All my blood work is good. No problems, as they say, and got tested for T3 and T4. And finally, the doctor acknowledged that I am pre-diabetic and have insulin resistance. With all that I've been doing with the fasting, which I have tried different times of day and have done 16-8 or 24 and even done 23-1, still no results. Also, I have tried one meal a day, still nothing. So a little more background on myself. I'm 49 and according to my doctor, I'm in menopause, but not quite fully menopausal as I had no period for two months, but then I got a period, so a bit confused. 
I do take supplements, which are calcium, magnesium, omega-3s, cinnamon, turmeric, apple cider vinegar pills, cayenne pepper pills, D3, as the doctor says I'm low in that, probiotics, and flaxseed oil. Those are my daily supplements. I stopped for a while, though, and started back up again with taking them. Sorry for the long email. I've been frustrated with this for four years and don't know more of what to do. I feel like just giving up, but I still go on even though there is no results for this long. I still continue to do intermittent fasting, and yes, I do fast clean as well. Any ideas as to why my body is just not reacting to anything I'm doing would be greatly appreciated. I've been doing this for four years with no results. Another frowny emoji. Thank you, Bernadette from Canada. And I actually got a few ideas while I was reading it. So let's see what what you come up with first, Melanie. Yeah, so thank you, Bernadette, for your question. And I know for listeners, Bernadette's case is very specific to her, and she's done a lot of things specific to her. But I do think there are a lot of people that maybe experience this where they just feel like they're trying all these different things. And then when I say all the things, I mean all the things still within our like accepted world of low carb or keto or all of these different approaches. And then the exercise and the supplements and testing and, you know, not knowing what is what and not feeling like anything can work. And I think it can be very exacerbating. So I I feel for you, Bernadette, a lot. And I'm also sorry about your accident. That is back to back to rear enders. That is not a fun thing to go through. I'm not saying mindset is the answer, but I wanted to start with the mindset and encourage you to take a step back. And rather than feeling frustrated or feeling like nothing's working and you need to, I don't, I don't know how long you're giving each of these approaches because you said it's been four years and you've tried all of all these different things. We know that you've been doing carnivore at least six weeks, but I don't know how long for these different approaches each one lasted. So it could be a thing of not giving any one approach long enough to make the changes that you, you know, need to see, need to be making. I don't want you to focus on calories or anything like that, but I do wonder, because she says she's tried different fasting windows. It may be for you that you will need a shorter fasting window compared to the longer fasting windows. It may be on the days when you have longer fasting windows, depending on what combination of diet you were trying at that time, that that just wasn't a diet and a window that would work for you to get the weight loss results that you want to get the, I mean, she talks about, she's been diagnosed as pre-diabetic and having insulin resistance. So we know that's going on. So since we know that she is at that place right now and things are not working, I would encourage you, Bernadette, to try a shorter eating window. Kind of like we talked at length recently about that study that compared a 16-8 window to a control and and didn't really find much difference. And a lot of people do find success on 16-8, but for you, that might not work. So I would suggest a, a shorter eating window. I know you're doing carnivore right now, although I don't know when she sent this email, but picking one of the approaches and giving it a, a substantial amount of time with the shorter eating window and maybe just simplifying because I feel like, cause you're taking all these supplements and then you're taking them and then you're not taking them and then you're taking them again. There's just a lot of like potential decision fatigue, a lot of overanalyzing, a lot of variables. So I think if you can get as simple as you can with your approach, sticking it out, giving it an actual, like I will give it three months. And if that doesn't work, then do three months of 
another dietary approach perhaps, and just try to make it more simple. And then also integrate into that perhaps whatever like mindset type approach works for you personally. Cause I know struggling with the pain must be a lot to work with. And like, I wanted to point out, for example, you said that you were going to the gym, but you, you stopped because why were you paying for an expensive gym fee with no results while you're eating right? And so to me, that says you were maybe expecting the gym to provide weight loss. Like that's what you're paying for. But like the benefits of exercise go so much beyond just weight loss. So it could be like a, a reframe of mindset is what I'm trying to encourage here. So like, you know, if you enjoyed going to the gym, if you didn't enjoy going to the gym, then that's maybe not the exercise that you should gravitate towards. But if you enjoyed going to it for like the, the social aspect or, you know, just getting moving, like there are a lot of benefits to that. And even if you're not seeing a change on the scale, you can still most likely see benefits from exercise. I will say, like I said, I'm reading and interviewing Dr. Pickman tomorrow and he talks a lot about the role of exercise and insulin resistance. And I don't know what type of classes are orange theory. I'm guessing it's different types of classes, but it does seem that for insulin resistance in particular, strength training is probably more beneficial. That's because our muscles are a huge source. They take up glucose from our bloodstream. So the more muscle we have, the more it can take glucose up from our bloodstream. And it doesn't even require insulin to do that. So if you do like strength training exercise, the muscles can lower your blood sugar, take in glucose without requiring any insulin. I try to say all this with like love and kindness. I think if you can, you know, not be so hard on yourself, find some things that bring you joy beyond the the diet and all of that. So mindfulness, meditation, friends, hobbies, and maybe just pick a a diet in a window for like, I would do it in like three month cycles before you evaluate if they're working or not working. Yeah. And you know, one thing that, that really jumped out at me is that she continues to try keto and low carb and carnivore over and over. She mentioned plant-based for one second, like, like for literally one second, it was popped in there. So like she did keto, low carb, plant-based, no dairy, carnivore. Then she talked later about doing carnivore, later about doing low carb. So I think she's done a whole lot of low carb, keto, carnivore. And I would really encourage you, Bernadette, to read Mastering Diabetes because clearly the keto, low carb approach does not seem to be working well for your body because you're still pre-diabetic. And if you've been doing intermittent fasting for four years and restricting carbs for most of that time, and you're still insulin resistant and pre-diabetic, then the foods you're eating are not working well for your body. Also, all those supplements, make sure you're not taking them during the fast. Sometimes people get confused by that and they they take them all during the fast because, you know, people hear, oh, you know, cinnamon's great for normalizing blood sugar or so I'm going to take it during the fast. But avoid all those food-like supplements during the fast. You know, the omega-3s, the cinnamon, the turmeric, the apple cider vinegar pills, the cayenne pepper pills. Also, by the way, here's my my two cents on all these pill supplements, like apple cider vinegar pill. I agree. Just have the apple cider vinegar or have the pepper. Make a salad dressing out of apple cider vinegar with some turmeric. Or add the cinnamon. Yes. Add it to your food. I'm not a fan of taking them as a supplement. So use the food, ditch them as a supplement. And I I know it's frustrating, but two other factors that jump out at me, one, the accident. 
you know, if you're in constant pain, I think it's really hard to lose weight when you're in in constant pain. Like your body is focused on on the stress of the pain. And also perimenopause. You know, most people gain weight during the menopausal transition. Most women do. So if you are only maintaining and you're going through the transition, that may be a victory. Maintaining during and not gaining. So if you go all the way to the other side of menopause without gaining weight, that's a huge victory because a lot of women gain, gain substantial weight during this time. So if you're in constant pain, going through menopause and not gaining weight, then intermittent fasting is successful. Is it getting you to the weight loss goal that you have set for yourself? No. And so I understand that by that metric, it is not successful. But I would really encourage you to, you know, I think you've shown that keto, low carb, and carnivore are not lowering your insulin levels and getting you out of that pre-diabetic range. So I would try something different. And the mastering diabetes approach is the 180 to what it sounds like you've tried. So I would try that, see how that goes. Yeah, I'm so glad you said that. Um, that was one thing I highlighted was, for example, she says she doesn't eat fruits because of the sugar content. While I agree, if you're doing low carb, you, you don't want to be eating fruit with that, especially if you're doing a high fat approach. The sugar in fruits, it's not the same thing as like table sugar. And the majority of, I think almost, I, it might be all, it might be, it might be that every study on the damaging effects of fructose, maybe there's an exception, but the majority of them are looking at high fructose corn syrup which is like refined fructose. They're not looking at fruit. So there's a lot of studies actually showing a beneficial effect on insulin resistance and prediabetes and even diabetes with fruit, things like berries. Trust me, I I Google this a lot. (laughs) So if you do decide to go on like a higher carb, low fat approach, whole foods based, like the mastering diabetes approach, which is basically what that is. Although mastering diabetes, they are completely plant-based, but you can still read that book and it's a new paradigm way of thinking as far as high carb, low fat, whole foods, and the potential benefits that you might experience in weight loss, insulin resistance, things like that. So we'll put a link to it in the show notes. I keep thinking that we've interviewed them on this show, but we haven't, right? Well, we haven't. No. Yeah. I guess we just talked about it so much. Yeah. Just because, you know, we know everyone's different when it comes to what foods work for us. And we've had the... We should bring them on. They love fasting. Well, we should. We've had the bioptimizer guys on and they each eat, you know, 180 from one another and respect that different styles are better for different people. And so this is just one of those things. It seems like Bernadette really is caught in the paradigm of, I got to eat low carb keto carnivore to lower my insulin to reverse my prediabetes when really, if that was the magic bullet with the fasting and eating low carb, she would have done it. It would have happened. And so it's time to say, well, that was not what my body wanted. And another thing about if you try high carb, if you do high carb, low fat from just whole foods, especially if you do, and if you did it with intermittent fasting, you would have to try so hard to not be in a calorie deficit when it's all whole foods based. So that might even on top of potentially shifting things around with how your body is processing fuels, you might at the same time, without even meaning to bring in a calorie deficit as well. So you could possibly see major changes. And we know that she's done plant-based in the past. So we know at least she's open to eating those types of foods. So maybe trying it with a more concentrated approach with that might be helpful. I would really just see, you know, what the the mastering diabetes guys say, and then I would just really commit to that and see. 
Yeah. And I did an interview with them on the Melanie Avalon biohacking podcast. So we'll put a link to it in the show notes. I think it's melanieavalon.com slash mastering diabetes. Yep. All right. I hope that helped Bernadette. I know that you're frustrated. I can totally hear it. The next one is from Jalen. And the subject is, what is the deal with purified alkaline water? Hi, Jen and Melanie. Thank you both so much for everything you do. I have been fasting 24 for about six months. I have lost most of the baby weight, still working on those last 10 pounds. I realize how important it is to fast clean and to get in plenty of water. I usually carry around a half-gallon water container. I have had several friends recently rave about purified alkaline water. I thought water was water, H2O, and it should always be neutral. I prefer distilled water and the occasional mineral water. Since you guys are amazing at digging through the studies, I was just wondering if there really is any benefit to drinking purified alkaline water, especially while fasting. Thanks for your help. Jalen in Pittsburgh. All right. Alkaline water. So this is another thing where there's big camps on this topic. I will tell you my opinion and you can just take what resonates from it with you and, and run with that. So really quickly comparing like the, the potential alkalinizing effect of water versus food on the body. Cause food as well, there's the whole alkaline diet thing. The science that I've seen behind alkalinizing food is that when we digest them, they leave a, like it's, it's called an ash, but basically it's the metabolic byproducts of the food and whether or not those are alkalinizing or acidifying. I actually think that all makes a lot of sense. And people will say that it won't be reflected in the blood work because the kidneys, you know, do what they have to do to keep your blood at a certain pH. And yes, that is true. But I do think that if you're eating certain foods that require your kidneys to work more to maintain that, I mean, I think that's saying something. That's the food side of things. The reason I'm giving that context is that with water, there's not like an ash that's being produced. You know, you take in the water. Our stomach is a certain pH. So I have often heard the argument made that it's actually more taxing on your body to bring in alkaline water because in the stomach, it's going to be acidified. Like it's going to be changed anyway. And I don't know that there's an effect beyond that. I know a lot of people, and I actually personally experienced this. I was drinking a lot of alkaline water for a while while fasting, but also right before eating. And it really messed with my digestion. And then I switched to normal water, quote, normal water, and it was much better. So I'm not, I'm not really on the alkaline train. I drink mineral water and glass bottles only. I think that's like the best of all worlds when it comes to water, because you are getting minerals from the water. And then if it's been in glass, it doesn't have the the plastics and the toxins. Whole Foods actually has a, a store brand, like the 365 brand that you can get in glass bottles. That's mineral water. I love it. Distilled water. I would not suggest drinking distilled water unless you have a very specific reason for doing so, because that can actually, well, there's arguments about this too, but it is thought that that can actually pull minerals from you. I think that that might be the case. So I gave you my opinion. I would not drink that at all. Definitely not. So those are my opinions. You, you're going to find any opinion you want, but I I haven't seen anything science-wise that supports. And, you know, this is actually kind of funny when you think about it because we have these ideas in our head that if they do something to the water, it must be better. So Jalen is drinking distilled water and mineral water, which are like the polar opposite, right? Distilled water has had everything removed and mineral water has stuff in it. So just, so it's like they're the opposites. 
but we we don't know. We're like, oh, this must be better because they're making it and they take the time to do it. I'm gonna, it must be better. Well, like I guess as far as like water being water, mineral water would sort of be the the closest to that because that is just water from certain places where there are minerals. Well, I mean, yeah, it does have the. It's not just a hundred percent H two O. Mineral water, yeah, is not 100% H2O. But it doesn't have minerals added. It's just that water naturally. I mean, the mineral naturally, it's that naturally. And they're like, distilled water is probably closer to 100% H2O, right? Oh, I see what you're saying. I was talking about like doing something to the water. Right. We have to do something to the water to make it just be water because naturally water is never just water. Yeah. So distilled water, I guess, would be that. But we don't want to do that. Or I don't because it's going to change how it inter- interacts with your body. And Well, it's not natural. There is no distilled water in nature. We're not designed to drink distilled water because that's not the way water was presented to human beings ever. Yeah. So I'm excited. I'm bringing on Dr. Anthony back onto my show and he's he goes deep into a lot of these these myths and he's very opinionated, but I'm, I plan to ask him all about this. So, oh, good. When that episode comes out, I'll put a link. Well, I don't know when that episode's coming out. So stay tuned. Follow the Melanie Avalon biohacking podcast. And and when I interviewed Dr. Anthony Beck, I plan to ask him this question. So yeah. All right. Well, this has been absolutely wonderful. So a few things for listeners before we go, if you would like to submit your own questions for the podcast, you can directly email questions at ifpodcast.com or you can go to ifpodcast.com and you can submit questions there. You can find all the stuff that we like at ifpodcast.com slash stuff we like. You can follow us on Instagram. I have been posting more. I see Jen has been posting more. Applause to that. <laughs> Jen and I are not so good at posting on Instagram, but we're trying. I'm trying. We're trying. And so that is Melanie Avalon, Jen Stevens, and you can follow our Instagram, IF Podcast, which is IF Podcast, right? I said it out of order. Now I forgot. I think it's IF Podcast. <laughs> yeah. Well, this has been absolutely wonderful. Anything from you, Jen, before we go? No, I think that's it. Good talk. Good times. <laughs> I will talk to you next week. All right. Talk to you then. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to the Intermittent Fasting Podcast. Please remember that everything discussed on the show is not medical advice. We're not doctors. You can also check out our other podcasts, Intermittent Fasting Stories and the Melanie Avalon Biohacking Podcast. Theme music was composed by Leland Cox. See you next week.